you know, I, I remember people saying, oh, restaurants and bars, you know. Yeah. I'm like, these guys aren't even in there working. I'm going to be in there working. Everything that they said was absolutely right. So if people have been there and done that, just listen to them. Yeah. Chances are they know something. And so there was an ego part to me thinking that, oh, I'm going to outwork these other people that are telling me, you know, you're going to fail. You're going to I somehow have some superhuman power that, quite frankly, doesn't exist, you know. But it was yeah. a big ego blow for sure. But um, it brings you back down to reality and just, hey, people are telling you all these things. Just listen. Hey everyone, my name is Ethan DeLeon and I'm here with our founder and CEO of Small Nation, Jason Duff. Joining us on the show today, we have Terry Summers with Columbus Home Company and co-owner of Pro's Gym, the gym of the Arnold Classic. We want to welcome you to the Small Nation podcast where we share some of the valuable lessons with what we have learned about entrepreneurship, real estate, economic development, and more. The point of this podcast is to create value for you, the listener, and to create a space to learn, talk about what's trending, and inspire others. Thank you, Ethan. Terry, welcome to the show. <laughs> glad to be here. I'm glad you're Very here happy to be here, actually. <laughs> There's a lot going on in your world right now. A little bit, a little bit. Well, I, I'm excited to hear about that. We're going to share um, you know, a little bit about your journey of how you became um, an owner of not only a gym and a pretty successful gym, like Ethan mentioned in your bio, the pros gym. The pros, yeah. So uh, in downtown Columbus, the Arnold Classic, and learn about more about that. And then uh, you're also an owner of a real estate company. Yeah, the uh, the Ohio Home Company, which uh, I bought OhioHome.com, was not cheap to get that domain name. <laughs> so but, for uh, those that are listening, <laughs> this is where I've learned for people like Terry is that when we would name our companies as an entrepreneur, like you'd name something that maybe had some meaning to you. Like a lot of people say, like you have a billboard company, Jason, called Comstore Outdoor. Oh, what yeah. does that mean? Well, <laughs> I explained, I started my first, one of my first businesses was doing self-storage called community storage. So just when we started building billboard signs, I kind of mixed those two words and just started calling it Comstore. Here's the problem. No one Googles Comstore. Com right, right. So there's some brilliance in your strategy of naming your business what people would actually search. What, what they're going to search, what they're going to Google, and then it moves you up the SEO rankings. But, you know, for me, it was like, you know, especially as many houses and that we're buying, some people want to buy from Mr. or Mrs. Jones and want to make sure that you're local and you're friendly and all that. But then you have the other people that have been burned by Mr. or Mrs. Jones that need to feel like, hey, you have a legitimate operation. You're big enough to close on my deal. Mm. You're legitimate. So trying to play both of those cards. I love that. Well, most people probably might be surprised by this, but I met Terry, if you go back in time, 15 plus years ago. We were yeah. both students uh, at Ohio Northern University, and in the town of Ada, Ohio, it's not a very big town, and the campus is really the town. You have to find ways in a, in a college town like Ada, you've got to make your own fun. Because it's not a big city, <laughs> like, you have to, like, bring the fun and, and make the fun. Well, in the center of campus, once a year, there would be this event called Tunes on the Tundra. And they called the middle Man, of campus, <laughs> you know, th go. this 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 area. They called it the Tundra because Ada is very flat. So when it's yeah. snowy outside, that place gets cold. Well, this event is like the Woodstock of Ada, Ohio. They oh bring gosh. all these bands <laughs> from the national state area. And this guy here... He found some of his friends on campus. They formed a cover band that held the same level of 
of style and, and, and audience participation and involvement as any of those state and national bands. Oh, yeah, were you a back vocalist? At, back, or? No, I, I can't sing. <laughs> I they didn't like, give me a microphone. That's the first then. time I've had a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they never gave me a microphone. But uh, I, I actually learned how to play drums when I was like 17, 18 years old. When I went to college, I met uh, one of my buddies, Glenn, and he was, he was okay at guitar. And then a year later, he got really good. And then he was a theater major and started working on his voice. I'm like, we got to do something. So I, I had to get good at drums really quick and then formed the band. And that became a you know big part of my life for the next, you know, five years and did the whole regional touring thing. Guy liner, you know, <laughs> Thursday, I love that. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get back to work on Monday and you're just dragging because you just drove from you know Atlanta, Georgia the night of. And no one knows so. the secret life that you have outside oh, it was of crazy. My, the, the uh the actual day of my graduation, the night before, we had a show in Cincinnati. We didn't go on till 12. Oh, we got no. back to Dayton around like 3, 4 o'clock. I had to be in Ada at like 7. No <laughs> sleep the night, the day of my graduation. So got like bags under my eyes. But, but hey, you, you know, graduated, right? I graduated. graduated. That's what's important. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Did you know like going through college that you would be doing what you're doing today? No clue. I had no clue. And I, I, I didn't have any concept of money the world, the way it worked, bills, student loan payments when those start coming out. <laughs> those six are real. Months. Yeah, those are real. Yeah, you, we, we've got to pay student loan. Well, apparently not anymore. Yeah, but, yeah. I know. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. It I had no clue, man. No clue. I had no clue about real estate. I just I knew that hey, the market was crashing. This was two thousand eight, and that's about as far as it went. And I'm just like, I just want a job because I couldn't even find a job getting out of college because you know every, no one was hiring. What was your degree in? Exercise physiology. Okay. So good, good luck getting a job with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what do, what does that do? Uh, you can be a personal trainer. Oh yes, yeah. score. Okay. So I'm okay. like, yeah, I'll be a meathead for the next thirty years or or whatnot. Um, problem is, you got to go and sell your client base and figure that out. Um, and yeah, I wasn't a good salesperson back then, so I just I just kind of moseyed around for I don't know five six months until that first student loan payment hit, and uh, ended up getting a job though. Um, great company. Uh, learned how to sell real quick because the student loan payments were pretty high and uh, worked my way up in that company for the next four years before it sold off to LA Fitness, I think. You yeah. know, one thing, why is it that there isn't more training and development to teach people to sell? There, there needs to be, especially in, in schools. And I think that's, I don't know, kind of the big debate. It's like, okay, is college worth it? it you know, should I take these extra mm -hmm. four years and learn some, some sales skills? But I mean, if you do know how to sell, like you can kind of write your ticket, right? If you're bringing in revenue to a business, you're going to have a job. Yeah, you're valuable. You know, if you're just managing business, you you have a ceiling, you have a cap, right? So, but if you're bringing in business, yeah, love was, to have you. Was there an experience for you that helped you learn about sales and be excited to want to gain and grow your skills? Um, so, I, I think, it, so my original mentor, um, I met this guy at a party. I was able to um, have, I kind of got, him together with someone I mean, else you that can, night. You can tell, listen, so, you can tell all, right. all the good so, stories. All right, so here we go. So I, I got him hooked up with this girl that was way hotter than him. He's like, how did he piece this together? He's like, listen, call me. At, he said, email me at 5 o'clock in the morning. I will make sure you have a job tomorrow. I said, Don't. wow. So I, I was a little hungover, woke my ass up right around you know 4.45, made sure I had an email, spelled his name right. Hello, Mr. Matt, how are you doing? And uh, yeah, had a job like three days later. So there is something about just following up that yeah. that 99% of the world doesn't take seriously. <laughs> you took seriously. Hey, he, he, he said, Hey, if you email me by 5am, you'll have a job. 
done. That's Love all I that. need. That's all I need. That's to his, hear. That was his language. Yeah. And yeah. if not, then you know, then he's a liar. People don't like to be called liars. True. Right? So yeah. he said it. So you came from the fitness industry and eventually made your your way into real estate. So like, I want to I want to talk about that journey a little bit. So started working for somebody else. Um, did you start with your own gym or did you kind of get into real estate before you? No. So I was with the I was with that company for four years, and so that's I mean kind of where I started. Yeah. Um, and then once I learned how to sell, I was making decent money, you know. But mm. the problem was is you have to be there at five, six, seven, eight o'clock when people are at the gym. Yeah. You know. Then you got to be back at five, six, seven, eight, nine o'clock when people are back at the gym. So you're there the entire day. And I just knew it wasn't going to be a life to, to lead forever, right? Yeah. So um, during that time, I had uh, met this realtor through, um, I was selling personal training packages and met this lady. And she's like, listen, prices aren't going to get any cheaper. This is 2010, I think. And I'm looking at it and she sent me a house. And I'm like, this house sold for double what it's listed for right now. That's all I needed to know. Like it can't can't get much worse. You know, right, and I, I right. had no clue what I was doing or anything. It just, yeah. man, it, it's got, eventually got to go up. This is going to be a good investment. Then I learned rentals and, you know, cash flow and, you know, you, you know, difference between what you're paying for it versus what your renter pays and all that fun stuff, depreciation, you know, tax advantages, all that fun jazz. But yeah. And so I just, it literally, as soon as I was, uh, I think it was two years into working for that company and I bought my first house and then I just became addicted. It was like my new drug. Mm. Like, being able to just and tell us about that first property. I imagine it was probably a beautiful three bedroom in a suburban area with a great yard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that, is that true? D, none of the above. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's, but it was in path of progress, you know? Uh, but yeah, it was definitely beat to hell and back, but no one else wanted it. And when normal people see properties, especially, and who knows what season we're going into now with rates, the world, um, yeah. how things are, are moving. But you know, back then, people wanted a finished, done product. And the only way you could get financing for these things is if you had a finished, done product. Mm -hmm. So I found a, a place that just needed cosmetic work. But, I mean, it was it was hit in the mouth. Um, fixed it up. Six months, one day later, was able to do a cash-out refinance on that first property. Learned what that was. It was holy smokes. More money I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, Explain was, that real quick. I don't think we've had anyone actually break that down. So cash okay, out so, refinance. Um, yes, yeah, sure. So, you know, you buy a property. So this specific one was $80,000. Actually, I paid $79,423 for it. Um, and then I put, I think, maybe four or five grand down because it was an FHA loan. Mm -hmm. So three and a half percent down. And then I had about four or five grand that I had to come up with rehab. And I did everything myself. So we're talking like paint, um, you know, painting ba baseboards, painting cabinets, just a lot of paint and flooring, right? Um, and did all of it myself. And then uh, when I went back to the bank, I said, hey, this, let's get this thing reappraised. So the bank at that point said the house is now worth $128,000. Mm. So then the difference between $128,000 and my $75,000 loan, there's equity there. Yeah. So now the bank will say, hey, we'll let you borrow up to 80% of the new value of this property. Was so your that, mind blown when you like first learned that? Dude, it yeah. was like the I like <laughs> I cracked the wealth code of the wealthy. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get stupid rich. Uh, yeah, because I, I was like, you know, my payment was seven ten a month, and my payment only went up like a hundred bucks, and I was able to access I think like twenty seven thousand dollars of real cash of, of cash. Wow. And I just I remember like I got the check, and I'm like praying over this thing. I'm like, Lord, please don't let me screw this up. <laughs> it was uh, it was a big moment, but I'm like. This is how wealthy people get wealthy is mm -hmm. they continue to use banks, borrowing money, and smart leverage. Um, 
But for me, I was like, there's $100 that I'm going to have an increase in payment. So I just cut my cable, and it was like a net zero. I'm like, I don't need cable. I'm working anyway. There you go. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It's no wonder why we see so many entrepreneurs get into real estate. Um, I don't know. I feel like even right now, I, I, maybe it's because my age or something, but in my circles, I'm hearing a lot of young people, you know, like eyeing real estate, just waiting for their way to, to you know, enter in. Um what would you say to someone like just getting started? Like if you could drop any words of wisdom right now, what would it be? Get started sooner rather than later. Everyone's waiting for the right time. And yeah. this is like the, the right deal, the right deal, man, you know, rates are going up. I'm not sure right now. There was a guy in our company. He just bought a house for 125,000, which these things were selling pre, you know, markets, the market going, yeah. uh, going down uh, for like 160, 170. And you're paying 120, but he's paying 7.125%. I'm like, Dude, great deal. Mm-hmm. You're gonna look back ten years from now and you're like, I'm glad Terry made me do this. Like, who cares? Like, it's it's yeah. all relative, you know. And if you have a long enough time horizon, it works itself out if you can hang on. That's mm-hmm. the big thing. If you can hang on. And the hang on piece is being smart about the cash to make sure that you're gonna make the payment to the yeah, bank. Exactly. Because you never kind of really own your property. Uh, the bank is usually the first or so your private money lender, whoever has that mortgage yeah. on that property. Yeah. And the second thing is, is you have a tax authority, meaning that the city, uh, the the county, whoever levers, le- levies the real estate taxes, they will get paid. If, if you don't pay them, <laughs> they will take your property. Yeah. And so you're kind of, you know, a lot of people, you look at landowners or landlords and, and think like they're the end all be all. No. The government really is the, the the master landlord. Yeah. So you know, yeah. preserving that cash and making sure sure because that's the whole system. And I think going through COVID, I know you were very public about sharing the journey of you being a business owner and having all these responsibilities, these debts, and as tenants were moratoriums in the state and national and national government were saying, no, just put put rent on pause. Well, there are people that are impacted. That, that will lose their livelihoods and their lives because that just doesn't work in, in the economic you stream. You can't just hit pause on the economy. Like right. money has to flow. Um, yeah, that was, that, was, that was a tough time for me. Very tough time. I mean, I remember I, mean, I was on a Facebook Live and I was, I was just going through it, man. And it was, yeah, just bad. I was I'm crying and wow. trying to figure everything out. And man, we're going to lose everything. And you just don't know. I mean, nothing like that had ever happened in human history. And I want to everything share, down. Terry, you were kind of the canary in the coal mine for us here at Small Nations. So um, right as that was coming out, one of the biggest events that happens in Columbus, Ohio, is the Arnold Classic. So Arnold Schwarzenegger has come back to Columbus probably the last 30, 40 years to do this very large fitness and health event <laughs> Uh, near in the Columbus Convention Center. And it just happens, Terry's gym has always been one of the the sponsors or been one of the, the popular gym yeah. that people go to that's closest in distance to the convention center. And and I remember seeing a post, I think coming from you saying, they're closing the Arnold down. Like the governor is shutting that event down. And and I immediately thought of him because I you imagine that being the, the most important event for the year. Yeah. And he also owns, you know, hear more about all the Airbnbs that that they're in that kind of Columbus market, that that, that was a, a major event for the, you. The biggest, the biggest, especially for the Airbnb market, short-term rentals. And that was the very first event in America that got kind of nixed. 
I mean, it, NBA wasn't even until, yeah. you know, seven or eight days after that. And for us, you know, we're doing three Jeez. months worth of revenue in those four or five days. <laughs> and so for us, like that's, I that's mean, your that, year. That's our year. So just gone like that. Just gone. And then we didn't get it in 2021. We didn't get it in 2022. Oh my goodness. So now we're like, all right, this is going to be the year. <laughs> yeah. Like this, it's going right, to get better. Year, it's going to get better. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it was, uh, it was definite, a definite eye opener that, you know, just, it, it was like foreshadowing of what was going to come. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a crazy time. Crazy time. As you look out of that, what, what have you done that you've retooled and, and how are you stronger because of that? Cause I think a lot of us have, have, like, that's been the big surprise is that even though it was traumatic and I, we still have the, the emotions and feelings with that, there's, there, there are some, some bright spots. There is, man. I mean, you know, anytime you make it through a tough time, you come out better on the other end. Um, yeah. I mean, that's number one. Um, you know, systems, processes, like rent collection, you know, communication with your residents, you know. Um, I don't call them tenants. I call them residents, you know, just a respect thing. You know, we're yes, sir, no, ma'am, when we talk to, to people, try to be as respectful as possible throughout that process as much as we can. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, you know, communication with your people is always a big thing. I think especially as we're going into whatever we're going into now, my big thing is, you know, customer service trumps sales anytime that the economy gets bad. And when it got bad, we had to latch on to our, our residents. We had to communicate. Um, so, I mean, those are two big things. But, yeah, it was, uh, I think, the third thing for me, too, um, as entrepreneurs, there's the potential for us to lose everything. And then it's not just us. It's the jobs, the people, their livelihoods. And then we, what is it, what they say, heavy who wears the crown? or You internalize it. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, you care that much. Because you care, right? Yeah. And, you know, for me, I'm just like, hey, if we do, we're going to do everything that we can do. But, hey, if I my family still loves me, you know, my kids still have great things to say about me, you know, I did everything I could and I'm proud of my my, my effort, it is what it is. That, you know, so it's just one of those things where you kind of, it kind of puts things in perspective. You know, you're still living, still have your health. Um, so losing everything can be, you know, catastrophic, but you know, once you go to that deep, dark place, you realize, Hey, if, you know, my wife and kids still love me. I'm good. It takes seasoning and experiences to get there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's one thing that I admire about you. You just mentioning going from, you know, fitness to, to having a degree in, in fitness to then starting a gym moving into buying real estate, but there was a, there's a piece of that history that you also owned a brewery. I did, man. <laughs> so I, yeah. Yeah, I, I was, I was trying to be Jason Duff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, man, this guy can do it. I can do it. Um, it's easy peasy. But, right? Yeah. So easy. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's rewind back to 2012. I had 16 rental properties, had bought another 16 in one day, closed on them all on like a Wednesday. Well, there was, 15 of them on that on that Wednesday. There was one last one on that Thursday. Got a little liquored up that night. Hey, I'm going to go quit my job tomorrow. And <laughs> I planned it out, like, how I was going to quit and how I was going to tell my boss. And it, I was working for Chase mm-hmm. during this time. because okay. Big, my, large company. Yeah. Big, large company. And, you know, just very corporate And everyone's just, you know, hooty-tooty. And it just, I didn't like it. So, you know, everyone thought they were a big shot. And, you know, I had it all planned out. But none of my bosses were there. So my boss, you didn't even get to the good I quit. I didn't even get the good quit, man. <laughs> I had to do it on the phone in front of the whole sales floor. Um, oh, but, uh, you know, during that time, you know, uh, me and a couple of the, uh, my buddies in college, we had talked, you know, I huge passion for craft beer. I love craft beer. Uh, it's kind of my thing and, uh, kind of nerd out on it a little bit, but, um, 
Did you make like, it? Were you a brewer? I was not a brewer. You enjoyed drinking I it enjoyed and learning about it. And learning about yeah. it. Right. And learning about it during the process of drinking. <laughs> it's all research. <laughs> I see. R&D. This is why I like wine. R&D. You know, good to Napa. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought, hey, you know, we came up with a great idea. Football, beer. No one's put the two together. Sounds great in, you know, in theory. And, uh, yeah, that was a tough ride, man. That was a very tough well, ride. And just to paint some perspective so uh you know in suburbs of columbus columbus is kind of one of those cities that's expanding out and continues to um but gahanna is a is a great suburb of columbus and you have to understand just about 10 minutes away from that is easton town center and easton is one of the probably most significant real estate developments in the entire state because 30 years ago uh, the developers and architects decided to build a brand new downtown uh 10 minutes away from gahanna and so there was a new development called Creekside that had opened up right outside of Gahanna. And I think you were maybe an anchor tenant in the we, brand new beginning. No one had ever done anything like this in uh, Gahanna. Yeah, it was. I mean, we were the anchor tenant. Um, and we, we were, I mean, gosh, I could go over probably 10 mistakes I made in that business. One, we chose a location that's right beside the new downtown that was trying to compete. We, we were just in the wrong piece of real estate. Um, you know, two... Uh, timing, you know, there was uh, another sports beer uh, company that came out mm-hmm. and they came out right when we did. And just so happens they went to the same school that we did and they changed their marketing. There was a lot of misinformation. People would get you guys confused. Ex- I remember yeah. that at that time. Yeah. Which yeah. was smart on there and they had more money first. And so if you've got a great idea and you don't have enough money to back it, you're going to get buried. Or the right marketing. Or the right marketing. Right. And, mo- and money and marketing are, are helpful. Yeah. And yeah. so, the I mean, a third mistake, you know, I was trying to be like the BW3s of craft breweries. Yeah. The reason that people like craft beer is the obscurity to it. The, hey, man, I got this this random, weird, one-time release, bourbon, county style. Yeah. That's what people enjoy about That's it. That's what they're focusing on. And I was on. trying to be more of like, yeah, like the BW3s or like the NFL of craft breweries is what I was kind of considering it. People don't like that. They want the the college, the obscure feel, and we missed the mark on the marketing. We definitely did. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, partnerships are tough. Yeah, you know, I, I was, I, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't. Necessarily, Everyone gets along. What do you mean? Yeah, same personality. We're time. all aligned. We've never gotten fistfights. Everyone um, works the same amount. Everyone works the same amount. I feel like uh, we could start a whole podcast <laughs> just on failed partnerships. Unfortunately, well, <laughs> it, and that's the thing. The statistics show that majority of partnerships don't work. The yeah. same statistics show that restaurants and breweries are probably one of the most difficult business models to actually achieve profit. The difference is, and I think that's where I value Terry being vulnerable and real. It's like the learning that if you continue to tweak and work and listen to these lessons, you can achieve significant financial success, but it's not easy. It's not, you know, I, I remember people saying, oh, restaurants and bars, you know, yeah. I'm like, these guys aren't even in there working. I'm going to be in there working. Everything that they said was absolutely right. So if people have been there and done that, just listen to them. Yeah. Chances are they know something. And so there was an ego part to me thinking that, oh, I'm going to outwork these other people that are telling me, you know, you're going to fail. You're going to I somehow have some superhuman power that, quite frankly, doesn't exist, you know. But it was yeah. a big ego blow for sure. But um, it brings you back down to reality and just, hey, People are telling you all these things. Just listen. They're not telling you to let you fail. They want you to not fail. So you played football through college, high school and college, right? Yep. yep. What does it mean to be coachable? 
because we, we we talk about that, and I I you know one of the things the principles that I focus on in finding team members that work at Small Nation or entrepreneurs that we choose to partner up with or or work with, I love the idea when they're open to be coachable. What does that mean to you? Um, being coachable. I mean, you just, you have to be like for instance, like our team, and I try to be coachable even as a leader of my organization. You have to be. You're always I mean, learning because you're always learning, and, right? the, and the market's always changing. People well, are always changing, and people, your people, especially. You know, we have uh, like ten in one company, we got fifteen in the other, and then a bunch of VAs strung out across the world. But you know, I want my VAs to be able to have an open door to be like, hey, this is what's going on in the grass over here. I know you're over here in the clouds in your ivory tower, but. <laughs> This is what's really happening. Yeah. You know, uh, case in point, a uh, small example, um, we found that there is a certain hedge fund that is slashing their rents right now. This is, no one's seen this. I, I'm like, why are we not getting leads? Well, they own the majority of the houses in these neighborhoods that we invest in, and now they're slashing their rents. I have to get, you know, 30% more than they do to be able to make it work. They don't. They're like, hey, this is what we're, and I, I looked at them like, holy smokes, you're right. So, but we caught that early. Now we're making changes and we're adapting. But if we didn't have that open door policy for me to be coachable, you wouldn't get that guys. recon. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I just, you know, be, oh, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're the best, blah, blah, blah. It just, it, yeah, it doesn't work. So you have to be adaptable, coachable. So small example. But Love that. Yeah. But I think even as leaders, we have to be coachable and know when to listen to our teams. And if you don't, you're going to have a hard lesson. <laughs> Maybe like you'll learn yeah. hard the hard way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't have all the answers. Our team has the answers. We just have to be open to be li- to, to listen to them. That's and, huge. You know, but they have to know too. The, the answer is not dropping the price all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, because that's sometimes the easy. That's the easy, easy way. The easy way. But it, it's like getting that recon and that advice to, to understand. And I love what you said earlier about when things get tough. It is about the customer service and the way you treat people. Yeah. And I think that's 100%. that's a currency uh, thing that, you know, no matter if the rent is cheaper somewhere else, if you have a better quality experience and that you like the people that you work with, you're going to stay. The same is true if you get job offers. If you're an employee that's yeah. working in a company and you get a lot of job job offers, if you enjoy the environment you work in and the people that 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 you are connected with, like you're going to stay there too. And think about this as, as small business operators, people love the ability and the flexibility they get with being in a small business. Whereas if like I worked at Chase, I hated being in corporate. It sucked. You know, I had to, you had to have a certain amount of buttons on your shirt and then, you know, you had to have khakis and you know, certain boat shoes and they didn't like my boat shoes. So I got kicked out one day. <laughs> like it's just stupid stuff. Like, wow. um, but I, I think as, as small business owners, there's something to be said. Like we can, we can change. People can be you know, flexible if they want to work from home for a day. Hey, you got this going on. If you're in corporate, you, you can't do that. Right. But if you're in a small business, you, you, you have this flexibility. But then also, too, like, you know, I just I think that people. They just they, they like it, man. They like the flexibility. They like to, you know, be a part of something, too. Yeah. You know, like we have a lot of people in, um, in our company that, you know, I don't want to say a lot, but there's probably, you know, times where they. I wasn't the highest paying at that time, but Hey, this is the growth. This is the opportunity. This is what we can do together. Yeah. They believe um, in the mission and, and what you're going like to learn that. and how, you know, you're going to be able to create your own adventure. And I think that's like part of a, another benefit of being an entrepreneur organization. Every day you come in, the work is not the same. No. And to some people that could be very frustrating. Yeah. If you're very procedures and you like the consistency, it's like, 
disclosing right up front, that's not who we are. Yeah. You know, every day is going to be create your own adventure. And some people really thrive with that. Yeah. And if you look at like, uh, like an accounting position, for instance, you have AP, you have AR, um, you got receipt capture, you have all these different responsibilities, but when you're a small business, Hey, you might be the accountant and you might be the leasing person too. Yeah. And you you're going to have both. to run and pick up this shipment that just yeah. arrived at FedEx and go here. We like, don't have enough people to be able to do no, that. And no. so, but also too, if you, if all you did all day was just do AR, for instance, like, man, that just sounds boring, doesn't it? You know, they don't let me in the accounting office. Yeah. I'm not allowed to touch receipts because I will lose all the receipts. Is that oh, an option? We can just kind of kick you out of different departments. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah, know that was they, an option. They, they, uh, yeah. They, they, they're not on this podcast for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see. I told my team like six months ago, I said, you know what my job is in this company? To do nothing. Like that's, because like seriously, like sometimes like we, we as the business owners, like we create the fires because we're trying to micromanage this and micro, there's they a reason we have people. Pigeon style leadership. Okay. Is you fly in, you shit over everything and then you fly away. <laughs> have you ever heard I, that before? I haven't. I'm, I'm going to start so, using that one. <laughs> someone accused me of that once and I'm like, Actually, I'm really glad you called it that because wow. it is, it's tempting because you think you're fixing it or like you know better. And it kind of goes back to like when you involve and get other people involved in the team, they have different styles and ways they get things done. And sometimes I found they're a lot more, in fact, not sometimes, oftentimes I found they're a lot more effective at getting the, the problem solved than I was. Yeah. I mean, we, on our uh, sales, uh, sales staff, I mean, they're, uh, you know, it's like you could, like, I'm the type of guy, I'm, I'm going to bang out 60 calls. Like, I'm not super quality and relationship. Like, just boom, I'm just work. Mm -hmm. And so I think that everyone else should make 60 calls. And so I had to change that line of thing. I'm like, look, if you have 20 conversations, I don't need you to make 60 calls. I need you to make 20. You know, and if you just schmooze all the Mrs. Joneses, I'm cool with that. Right. You know, but you have to reframe your, your way of thinking, too. Not everyone's going to do things like you do. It's okay if they, just as long as you get the end result, who cares? Yeah, doesn't matter. But if we're not getting things done, then we just need to start looking at your yeah. KPIs. Let's look at what you're doing every day. Let's look at all these yeah. different things. Terry, if you brag a little bit, um, and I don't want you to do that. No, that's hard for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, tell us what are some of the deals or some of the the work that you've done that you're most proud of. Uh man, I, I think so. One to be able to buy as many single family houses as as we have, and I, I always, I mean, it's my company. I'm 100, percent but you know, I always say we that we have um, with no backing from a hedge fund or anything and kind of bootstrapped. I mean, I am very, very proud of that. Um, and, and we have a good product. We have a very, very good product. Um, that's why we get the rents that we get. Um, I'm proud of that. Um, our office building, I'm very proud of that. Um, you know, we've got a podcast room. We've got all these different cool things going on with it. Uh, but this was a building I literally met a guy at the bar beside the building. He owned the building and the bar, and I caught him drinking. One time, he never There's drank. There's a theme here. If yeah. I'm hearing, so. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I swear, like this dude, and this is a reason that he was super successful with his his bars. He ran a very tight ship, but he he threw out a number. I perked up. I'm like, wow, only that. And we shook hands, and he was a man of his word. Mm -hmm. And we've done deals since then. And there's sometimes he's gotten me too, mm -hmm. but <laughs> I shook his hand. Like, yeah. Damn it. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I got I got to bite the bullet on this one. Yeah. Um, that I'm real proud of. And then, you know, actually our uh, our gym building, which, you know, I don't do a lot of commercial. I'm mainly, hey, this is a the three-bedroom, one-bath house that we we buy. 
we buy over and over and over. Short term, uh, long term, or we're mainly do, doing long term, but we mm-hmm. are pivoting. Uh, we just so I I'm pretty sure we're the largest owner of single f- or of Airbnb permits in Franklin County. So wow. I, I just took all my properties and was like, here you go. I'm gonna put I'm gonna get permits for all these. Smart. If I ever want to get them or they ever shut it down or what whatever, I've got these permits. So if it ends up being like Nashville or Atlanta where they're kind of grandfathering people in, yeah. Hey, grandfather, you're ahead of the curve then. Yeah. So, um, but we did, uh, we've got 25 short-term rentals now, which is okay. you know, cool. It's just a, a small pivot. You know, yeah. some of the properties that we were going to flip that we quite frankly got stuck in, mm-hmm. we, we, we got to rent it out, but we can't get the rent to be able to cover what we were going to, you know, what we need to cover. So with the short-term rentals, you know, it's a whole different business, whole different department, yeah. whole different mindset. Um, but you know, in tough times, you got to be able to pivot, um, and so, we've had a, a Jesse Lear on. Yeah, he's been a guest talking the, about rental arbitrage. Um, you know, with Epicurean yeah. Properties, and you know that really, I think you you were the first. Were you maybe his first? I was his first property in my office building. So that's a real important fact. Is that the DNA of that? And I think I had come down and met with you. Uh, yeah. Some of our team members went down and toured Terry's office and his mm-hmm. space uh, in Columbus, and that kind of inspired me to think about some of our properties in the upper floors of our building. And today, Jesse and his wife, Chelsea of Epicure and Properties operate the loft above, which uh, we did a whole segment, an episode like where Jesse broke down. He doesn't own a single property. Does that make you a little uncomfortable? So I know with his model, you know, there's, uh, for instance, a lot of A-class buildings that are being built and they can't fill them or they can't fill them quick enough. And I, I will say this, like, they're not filling these buildings. People can't afford, like the A-class stuff is the first to go, right? People are going to downgrade their lifestyle when tough times happen. And so he's been, he's figured out a model. Hey, they've got these open units. They're going to lease them to me at dirt rates just to be able to cover their costs. Yeah. And then I arbitrage it. Um, it it's a cool model. Jesse's my guy. It, it's you a know, cool we, model. It is a great model. It's just interesting. Traditional real estate investors, yeah. when he was very clear on the podcast that he said, I, I don't want to own property. Yeah. To us, I'm like twitching yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'm like, like, are you sure? About you don't this? want the depreciation. You don't yeah, need the tax get, advantages, debt paid out. No, none of that interests you. But can I take, I think that's how this world is changing. There's so many of the traditional patterns that are being disrupted. Yeah. And that rental arbitrage model is a perfect example. Yeah, perfect example. There was, a, I was at a mastermind in Jamaica three weeks ago, I think. And uh, there was a guy there, 70 short term rental units in Houston. Hmm. Okay. Houston, and Texas, not traditionally it. like a traditional tourist town, right? No, not at all. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I was able to get this business off the ground in the last 18, 18 months, I think. 70 wow, some units. 70. And eight, but again, <laughs> like, I mean, you got to furnish these things. You know, yeah. if you find the right units and the right mix, you're in there. You grow fast. So it's, it's just, it's crazy because you can scale way more quickly. Yeah. When not having to rehab your properties, not having to sure. do this, not having to do the all the different things that come along with buying property. You yeah. You don't have to do any of that. And it's been fun on this podcast. We've got to hear from a couple of different perspectives, you know, from real estate. We had, you know, um, you know, investors that are agents and agents that are investors um, and just kind of hear their perspective on the arbitrage and uh, short-term versus long-term. Uh, but I know you had mentioned there's some some legislation, you know, changing uh, and it, that's going to affect the Airbnb model. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, I uh, was with Governor DeWine at an event uh, in Columbus, actually, my uh, investment advisor he held an event for the uh, wine and uh, wore my Ohio Northern shirt because he was an Ohio Ohio Northern. That's girl. right. Yeah. So I made sure to wear that. And, 
got to talking and, and some of the legislation that they passed with housing, the short-term rentals was very favorable for us, which I think is a great thing because we're trying to make Columbus uh, just have an identity. Right. Like and our a destination. Yeah. And a destination. And we are a major player, yeah. it, but people are like, Oh, Columbus, Georgia, like right. no, the Columbus, Ohio, the Ohio state university, yeah. but that's the only identity we have. So if we can get more people, um, just creating a, a environment where, you know, people want to go, people want to travel to, people want to stay. Um, I think it's a great thing, but the uh, legislation basically said you cannot um, deny and someone from uh, turning their their home into a short-term rental. Uh, the only, there is, like, one caveat where you, if it's a nuisance property. So, like, when I was applying for my permits, one of my properties, there was, like, a domestic violence case, like, in 2014 when I didn't own it. They're like, yep, can't do this one. Like I didn't even own it then. Like right. it wasn't it's even 2014. My, yeah, too. it wasn't even my problem. You know, like bought this in like 2018. So um, there's that. But I mean, there's there, we're always going to find a workaround though. Yeah. Well, I and, and I think that the, the criticism of Airbnbs. I think Charleston, South Carolina, was one of the first countries or first cities in the country to really <laughs> ratchet down mm-hmm. um, because it's a historic city. There's you know very particular zoning and planning and use guidelines there. And one of my closest friends, um, he owns a business there and he uh, lived on the second floor mm-hmm. and then converted that the first floor was commercial, second floor is residential. And he ended up moving to a different property. So he started Airbnb, Airbnb being the, the, the second floor of the space and he got a letter and got shut down. Mm. So this has probably been three or four years ago. And that was one of the first cities that were starting to crack down because there's money and taxes that are involved with bed tax and and you know other mm, types of okay, was, ways. So this like, licensing, this understand. permitting and yeah. licensing, I think, is kind of that compromise. And I think it was really smart for you to get ahead of the curve to get your properties licensed. Yeah, I was like, hey, if they, if there's something that's going to happen, and you just like I look at Columbus and I look at our city as like we're. I, don't, I mean, I look at Raleigh. Mm-hmm. We're probably three years behind Raleigh, mm-hmm. or like in Nashville, we're three or four years behind. So I'm just like, okay, well, what happened over here? Okay, cool. It's it's giving me an insight into the future. Yeah, and I think that's really smart. You, you mentioned you were in a mastermind in Jamaica, and you're studying these other markets. It's something I also encourage to other entrepreneurs. Like, look at what other people are doing in similar sized <laughs> towns or aspiring towns, and rip and duplicate. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, great. What is it? Great artists uh, steal; they don't create. <laughs> and, and everything's ripped off the Beatles and Led Zeppelin anyway. So yeah, right? <laughs> that's actually probably true. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it, but I, I think it's a good thing for our city. I think, you know, especially we just, especially getting younger people involved in these things too, and making it trendy, making it hip, making it a place yeah. where people want to go. You know, I mean, you're great at that. You, I we're mean, trying. I mean, our, our newest project, and I'm excited after the podcast to take you on a tour is that we're converting five storefronts and seven, apartments upstairs to bell fountains rainbow row casually um, right yeah, yeah casually <laughs> but but it, when you go by i will tell you the the colors are bright bold and like nothing that you've ever seen in a small okay. town and everyone loves it right jason well let's just say <laughs> the people of bell fountain have spoken you is anytime you do anything different yeah. and you post it on social media like i love the people that just sit back and throw darts to say Oh, you know, you're, not, you're you're ruining the town. This is the, the debauchery is going to begin, and you know, it, it's you're going to deal with deal with those small minds. But the bigger people and the people that really matter understand that this is probably going to be one of the most um, popular areas for people to take pictures in front of. Mm-hmm. Who knows? People might might get engaged there. They may uh, stop and pull off the side of the road to visit Bell Fountain for the first time. 
you've got to find that bold, creative, interesting side. And I'm sure some of those comments probably sound a lot like the beginning of what you're doing down here and Columbus and Main Street here. Like how many times have someone looked at you and said you're going to fail? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, a lot a lot yeah because be doing anything different that's not normal or doing anything different that is you know not the 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 straight and narrow path like there will be people that try to tear you down all the time that's what people do what they say first they first they hate on you then they follow you then they love you i mean it's mm. it is it the works. cycle and i've watched yeah. it even in my life here in town people that in the beginning have working through work through that full life cycle and now they're the biggest champions but in day one it was like no and even like on social media for instance like i'm like the biggest proponent like you know someone's doing something cool i'm rocket ship emoji great Mm -hmm. job keep going you know forget about what these other comments say like i want to be the i want to be their biggest fan you know i want people to be successful but especially with social media like i think that's i know what something i had to overcome too was you know you start putting yourself out there a little bit guess what happens People start hating on you. Oh, man. You know, and then you start going in your head, and then you start playing mindset games with yourself. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I don't belong. Maybe this, maybe that. You know, and so you have to, like, push past that point and just realize that they're just jealous that they're not doing what you're doing. That's right. Yep, that's right. So what's next in real estate? Just some things that you're seeing trending right now. Maybe, you know, some things that you're concerned about, some headwinds that are yeah, out there. I think we're all concerned, right? I mean, yeah. Well, you know, 7.5% interest rate. And, and that's the thing, like you mentioned the deal metrics of your friend earlier. Yeah. Is you said the if I remember correctly, the property would be maybe a few months ago priced at $160,000 and he was able to buy it for 125. Yep. The big difference, and this is something that I had to learn, I'd love to hear your journey with it, is to understand the amortization schedule. So the amortization schedule is what the bank gives you of what the principal amount is, what the interest rate is, and what the term is. It is amazing if you go from 10 years to 15 years to 30 years, the amount of interest that you potentially pay on that loan or that note. It's a very different payment when you're dealing with a 2.5% or 3.5% interest rate. When you go to a 7.5% interest rate, your buying power with the cash that you have drastically goes down drastically probably by 30 percent you know and i don't think that we're going to see a 30 percent drop i know at least in columbus things have dropped 15 percent, and we're supposed to be stable right um but you uh, i was on a call earlier today um the houston market they're saying has dropped by about 20 to 25 percent wow that's insane Jeez. right so i mean that, that's a huge hit um but I, I but there's opportunity everywhere there's opportunity in everything so I, one of the things I was, I was talking about is the idea of, like, if you look back in the 1980s, and again, people have been there and done that, when interest rates were 18%, what did people do? They financed with themselves. They didn't go to a bank to get financed. They're like, hey, I need this much cash, and then you can, I'll just finance it to you at X rate. Mm-hmm. And then people were able to just create notes and paper, and, hey, I own this land contract, hey, but I got this note over here. And people just finance with themselves instead of going to the bank. We're going to get back to that. And I, I'm already coaching my team on seller finance deals. I think we were a little bit early. And, like, for instance, I'll give a strategy out here. We have a VA that makes these blanket offers. It's like throwing dartboards like this, throwing darts like this. Are you the, just seeing what is, is that the person that's texting me wanting Pro- to buy my property? Prob- probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I think they're really good. They're very persistent. I'm like, take this guy off the list. <laughs> he owns too much. Um, 
But yeah, so with with those deals, what we're doing is once we get someone that's receptive, we're saying, hey, here's your cash price. But knowing that 40 to 45% of people have refinanced their mortgage in the last three years, sub four rates, why don't I just take over your mortgage payment for you? And I can give you a little bit more. And then when you look at the payment, it's a win for them because they're getting more. And generally speaking, this is their only investment. Mm-hmm. So they want to milk it for all it's worth. Yeah. And so if, if you know we can give them more money for it, we get this attractive interest rate over here. It's a win-win for everybody. Smart. I so hope people are listening. That's a great strategy. We are going yeah. all in on that, on the seller finance stuff. And then, you know, rates aren't going to be as high forever, right? Eventually, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll refinance these things or we'll sell them. Or, hey, we'll just go ahead and sell to someone else and <laughs> yeah, you know, keep the financing in place. We got 3% over here. Cool. Yeah. And then we're helping someone else out be a homeowner. So I think there's tremendous opportunity that um, something I'm excited about with our sales team, too, is the idea of, of uh, giving people the opportunity to, for home ownership. So instead of just renting things out traditionally, starting to do lease options again, you know, where, you know, hey, I don't have the credit or the ability right now, but I've got people, people still have cash, right? People still have some money. Um, their savings might be dwindling, but, you know, if they want to put a down payment down in 18 months or 24 months, they can eventually buy it out. Cool. It's a win for them. It's a win for us. So I, I, there's a lot of different strategies that were popular back in the day, and they're going to come full circle again. Yeah. So those being two. No, I appreciate you sharing all that. And just, you know, for, you know, the, the real estate audience of this podcast, you know, I think it's uh, important not to be too discouraged, right? Like you said, um, there people have gone through storms before. This is, you know, some things are not new and there are ways to creatively, you know, work through it. So appreciate your perspective on that. Um, what are some of the professional development resources such as books, podcasts, courses, et cetera, that have helped you just the in small your nation podcast? <laughs> All right. Number, yes. Yes. number one. What are you talking about? How's this a question? <laughs> and that's the show. Thanks for coming up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Uh, this is good. I you know, so uh, I actually I joined up with a mastermind with uh, Patrick Bet David. And, you know, I've seen this guy on Joe Rogan and he's just super polished, right? And I'm like, wow, how does the words just flow out of his mouth so fluidly mm-hmm. and uh you know how does he know to ask all the right questions so i asked him i said you know how do you how does your interviews flow and and, and just go from one place and you're able to pick all this information out of people that they wouldn't otherwise say and he's like do this listen to a podcast and then just hit stop and be like what would be the top two questions that i should ask and then go back and see what i ask or joe rogan or whoever right um, but I've been doing a lot of that. Um, I do watch, uh, podcasts, gosh, uh, bet David stuff, of course. Um, anything controversial. I, I'm a huge football guy. So, you know, Pat McAfee, like I, I, I yeah. watch all that stuff. It's like my guilty pleasure. I love drinking beer, eating wings and yeah. watching Steelers play football. It's You're an Ohioan, man. Yeah. <laughs> Mid- Midwest as all get out. Right? Yeah. Um, but those you are also some- have taken what you've learned from these masterminds and built your own training in your own mastermind groups. Is that right? That's right. That is right. And um, that is that that's something else for people listening, building that train, the trainer where one of the best ways to learn the principles that you learn is to teach it to someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. You will, um, you'll learn more by teaching than you will anything else. And you know, I started doing these masterminds and I came up with a hip title called the monopoly mastermind. Thought it was pretty nice. good. Did you get sued yet for that? <laughs> no, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Not, yet. <laughs> not big enough yet. <laughs> we won't, we won't tell the trademark yeah. people. But, you know, at, at the end, you know, I didn't, and I was like, listen guys, here's the $20,000 pitch at the end. No, I got nothing for you. They're like, well, what do we do? And so I created this, I was like, look, 
what if we did something? And I just came up with it on the spot. I'm like, what if I did something where you guys just pay monthly? I'll get on a call with the entire community once a week, and then we'll start a, a Discord chat. So if you have questions in real time, you get them answered in real time. And by the way, I'm not going to charge you twenty thousand dollars. How does you know you guys came here? What is? How about two ninety seven a month? Does that work for you? They're like absolutely. And like our retention rate is great. And so we kind of had to figure out the group, how it was going to be structured. You know, we have topic calls, we have community calls, we bring on people, hoping that you'll uh, come and say a few good words to our, to our community. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been good for me too. Cause there's, there's it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of crappy stuff out there. You know, there's a lot of scammy stuff out there and there's a lot of people that they, all they do is education. And they don't actually have a business behind it. Yeah. You know, and you mean I, the people on the beach that are got the big fancy cars? The, and yeah. The, the Lambo in the back, you know, <laughs> I got the Lambo over here, the Ferrari over here. Yeah. You, know, you see, they, you see them going up on a tow truck yeah. in the video. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, dude, when's the last time you've seen Lambos? You haven't seen them for the last six months. True. You know, um, but you know, I just wanted to do it different. And my whole goal for doing it is a, to make myself better. I'll just be transparent about yeah. that because I want to be better as a teacher. So that way, I learn more. Um, I also want to build a community of people that I can create business partners later, you know? And so I know that I'm collecting favors right now and I'm cool with that. Right. But in order to get wealthy, you got to have a long enough time horizon. And in order to do that, you got to build relationships. You can't just network. You know, I call it connecting versus networking. Yeah. I want to connect with these people, you know, and like there was a deal that I'm actually doing in this group, uh, $2 million apartment building that I'm going to be a loan sponsor on. But Hey, I know the operators. I, you know, trust them wholeheartedly. They've done a phenomenal job with the building. That's a deal opportunity just from this group. Yeah. And so, you probably wouldn't have gotten that unless that group had no. been formed. No. So that, that shows you there that not only you're, are you getting paid for your time for the yep. 297, but it's the deal flow and the relationships that you have with the people that are part of it. It's that. the relationships. It's not trying to bang people for a bunch of money on the education. It's saying, hey, and just being transparent about it. Hey, this is why I'm doing this. You like it? Great. You don't? And I, th I think people respect that. Yeah. You know, but I, I tell them what it is. Hey, I want to be your partner in the future. I want to make sure that you build up so much that, hey, we can do something together in the future. And it takes a lot for entrepreneurs to start to value what's between their two ears. Was that hard for you to actually ask someone that first time to say, pay me the 297? <laughs> the first time that I did the, uh, it was one of my mentors said, hey, you need to do some type of event. Like you got a great product. You have a, a, a business that, I mean, quite frankly, not a lot of people have built with being able to wholesale, flip, rent, um, construction company, a very vertically integrated business, especially on the single family side. I said, you need to do this. And uh, I was so nervous doing the first one. And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, man, you charge five grand for this. I'm like, okay, I'll do 2,500. And he, it, once you start adding up the dinners, the cost, the time. the time, taking your team out of productivity for three days, and yeah. then like... Even the day after, when you speak and you have to be on for two full days from sunup to sundown, you know, there was guys that wanted to come to the gym and work out at 6 a.m. I'm like, do we have dinner until <laughs> like 11, man? I got to recover. <laughs> I got to recover a little bit. Give me an extra hour, you know? But um, it's exhausting. And, and once you start figuring out the math, like everyone thinks, oh, you're you know, making all this. You really don't, you know? And so I, I understood that really quick, but the power is in the people later. Yeah, that's really good. We've been talking a lot about masterminds and stuff, so I think that's a nice like ongoing yeah, conversation too, right? for us. You know, I, I I have spoke on the podcast, yes, and I think that's probably these small groups of people that you have affinity with. That was kind of first how I got introduced, and then I started 
getting groups that were diverse, meaning that we weren't same in the same industry. We weren't um, all guys. We've got other, you know, leading ladies that were in our group. So it's been a, a, a you know, di- I have different groups for different things. And yep. some of it's the tactical business knowledge. Some of it's the life and spiritual advice. You know, yep. one of my masterminds that I'm probably most proud of is we, we joke about this. We literally travel to a city like twice a year rent a big house and just sleep. Really? <laughs> That's not the kind of sleeping that you're thinking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All I right. just sit around and kumbaya and <laughs> no. meditate. Can I tell you, we, we've got this, this friendship that we can be ourselves and actually relax because you're always on yeah. all the time. Yeah. So like just to be able to go to some place where you can just not feel like you're on stage. Yeah. That's dope. It sounds weird, but it, it's a real I, thing. Because every time you leave, you you go to a mastermind, you're all like, rah, rah, you're motivated. And then the motivation does fade, you know, so you have to constantly stay engaged. But then you eventually, I mean, anyone that says they never burn out is absolutely lying. Like, yeah. you, we all burn out, right? We all and burn we, out. We all need our thing, whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I leave some of these things. I'm like, man, can we just, I, 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 you're going to have to get with me after this. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that would be something I'd be interested in for sure. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, where can people follow you and keep up with what's happening? All right. Um, you can follow me uh, at Instagram at Terry Sums. You can follow me on TikTok at Terry Sums. You can follow me on Facebook at Terry Summers. I'm the only Terry with an A that you'll find. So it's T-A-R-R-Y, <laughs> last name Summers, just like the season. And uh, we also have a podcast show called The Let's Be Honest Show, where we talk about real estate, business, and lifestyle that is on YouTube. So please go subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. There you go. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in and checking out the Small Nation podcast. You can find us anywhere that you listen to your podcast, including Spotify, the Apple Podcasts, and even the Small Nation YouTube channel. I hope you're able to pull some value from that conversation, and we hope to see you in the next one. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a like, comment, or a five-star review to help more people to discover this podcast. Stay tuned to Small Nation on social media and keep up with all the cool projects that are happening here. Until next time, this is Ethan with the Small Nation podcast signing off. Thanks, everyone.